0: So I'd like to read to you this story, and do you know what the story is, Bible scholars? The prodigal son, the prodigal son right? It's been known by lots of other, other names, but, but the one that's probably the most well-known is the prodigal son. So, so just listen, listen to this uh, scripture. What's interesting is this scripture is in a series of three stories. It's the last one and the longest one in a series of three stories that Jesus, is, Jesus tells about lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and then in a sense a lost son or lost sons. And we're going to talk about that um, as we go through today. So just listen, listen to this story and just try to picture it in your mind. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between his sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. The son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything that I have is. Yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's probably, I could preach on that parable every week and we could find something new in it every single week. It's it's such a fascinating Study on people, on God, on Jesus, on, on the culture, on everything going on there. It's just it's, it, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, I was actually once accused one time of only knowing that particular parable because I'd preached on it so many times in a row. I was doing a series on it and, and somebody said, we want to talk about something different. I'm like, you can't, you can't, I'm almost done here. <laughs> My favorite line in there is, but when he came to himself, but when he came to himself. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where all of a sudden you came to yourself and you were like, I shouldn't be here. I need to make a change. Something has to happen now. I can't continue to live like this. We have these turnaround signs, these U-turn signs to just sort of give you a graphic visualization of, of just the turnaround that, that happens in our lives over and over and over again if we're open to it. I mean, some of us are just stubborn and we'll just, we'll just stay in a place where we sh- really shouldn't be and, 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 and it's not really very healthy. And whatever. We'll, just, we'll just keep going because we're, so, we're just so in our rut that we're, that we're there. But I just love this part of it. But when he came to himself, he was willing to do whatever it took whatever it took. So what you need to know partially about this story is, is that it's told in the context of, of the religious leaders who are there listening to him, who are, who are saying to him, but he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and he hangs out with all these bad people. He, he must not be a legitimate teacher of Israel. He must not be a legitimate rabbi. He can't be the Messiah because the Messiah would never hang out with the riffraff. And so he tells this this story. And in the culture of the time, if there were two sons, then the oldest son was um, entitled to two-thirds of the inheritance of whatever the father had. The oldest son was entitled to two-thirds because he was expected to stay at home and to carry on the family business. The younger son, there there might not be a future for him there, and, and he was entitled to a third of whatever the property was. I mean, of the, of the spoils of, of whatever the father had. So, so him asking to, be, to, to divide up the inheritance was basically saying, Father, I want to make like you're dead. And I want to receive, a, I want to receive my portion because I, I want to go off. I, you know, probably he's saying, I'm, I see that there's no future here. Why do I continue to slave away? Why, why do I work here? I'll go make my fortune or something. So... So he goes off and goes to Vegas. I mean, that's basically sort of, if you read other, other, other scripture, it says wild living. I mean, he spent it on prostitutes. He spent it on gambling. I mean, whatever you can conjure up is what he shouldn't have been doing. He's probably doing drugs, you know, the whole thing. Wild living. I mean, it, Jesus is really trying to use some hyperbole here, I think, to, to show us just, and to, and to really get the Pharisees and the teachers of the law sort of riled up about this guy. I mean, it's sort of like our political, our political scene right now, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how many people I've heard recently are like, well, you know, 49% of people are on the government roll. They shouldn't be there. They should go get a blessed job. Well, that's our self-righteousness, isn't it? Speaking. I mean, we, we can easily be the older brother, Right? We can easily look at other people and go, oh, well, I've got it all figured out. The younger brother goes off and is totally frivolous. Yes, he probably deserves everything that he gets at this point because he makes bad choices. Bad choices. And then he gets a job feeding pigs. Now That might not be a big deal. I worked on a pig farm when I was in college. It's a lovely smell. It never goes away. We had a 500 square foot apartment. We washed our clothes in the apartment. The apartment smelled like pigs. It was lovely. We didn't invite people over to our home. Just didn't, didn't, didn't quite work. For Jewish people, um, pigs are unclean. So so if you have Pharisees and teachers of the law and, and 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 these folks that are very, you know, very religious about that and trying to do the right thing and, and living in that, then, then they're going, oh, well, geez, not only not only is he hanging out with unclean with prostitutes and gambling and, and all this other stuff that he did, now he's feeding pigs. So he's I mean, in, in terms of the Jewish culture, he is just, I mean, Jesus has put him in a I mean, if he'd have eaten a pig, it probably would have, would have you know, made it even worse. But that's about all he didn't do. He wanted to eat the same food as the pigs, which is probably just as bad. So, so here he is. He's, Jesus has really made this. And like the older brothers in us, the self-righteous folks in us, we, we can sort of look at him and go, gee, he's getting everything he deserves right here. But when he came to himself... He realizes he's not where he's supposed to be. And of course, it's in a little self-interest, right? that he turns around and he says, "Huh, my father's hired hands who have no share in the, in, the, in the money at the end of his death, get food every day and a place to sleep and work to do. That might not be so bad. Maybe if I go back and I plead and I beg." Maybe he'll make me a hired hand. So he takes off. And he goes back. And of course you know this part of the story. The father sees him coming. And one of the, one of the interesting pictures that you can draw in your mind is in that time, probably they, they, you know, they would have worn a robe of some sort, right? Because they weren't into pants yet then. And so he would have had a robe, and it, and it was, would be very disgraceful for a man to show his ankles, you know? And so you can imagine the father running. How do you run in a robe? You have to pull it up. You have to gather it. And so here he is. He's really showing his foolishness almost, But it's this really vulnerable, beautiful picture of of the father who's been waiting for his son to come back, hoping against hope that his son would return, even though the son has burned all the bridges, we think. And so the father comes running out there and he wraps his arm around him. like Oh, and he puts the ring on his finger, which means he is fully back. He is fully back into the fold. So again, now he's entitled when the father dies to his third again. I mean, this is, you know, this is a very generous forgiveness. And so they start to have a party. And so part of the the teaching here is about this this turnaround, this this redemption that, that happens that that, that God, that God our, the God that we know is a God of the turnaround, a God of second chances, that, that no, matter, no matter where we've been, no matter where somebody else has been, no matter, no matter what's going on in our lives, that, that God is, is inviting us back home. God is inviting us back into the path of that new life that God wants to give us, that God wants to reinstate us to full status as children of God, that God. God wants to draw us back in into that life that's beyond life, that that life that that has eternal consequences. But then there's this second part of the story. The older son hears about it. And he's really happy about it. Right? Dad... I have slaved away here for you. I've done everything that you've asked of me. I've been good. And you've never even given me a goat, let alone the fatted calf. So you clearly get the distinction between goat and calf. If you, if you have your choice ever, go with the fatted calf. Don't, don't get the small goat. But anyway, that's the whole other thing. So, you wouldn't even do that for me And I've been here, I've been good, I've done this thing. I mean, I hear this so much in our culture now. That those of us who have had so many opportunities and so many things given to us as a foundational piece, you know, the fact that I had the opportunity to go to college... The fact that I had the opportunity to to live with with a family where the mother and the father were both in the home and both cared about the children. You know, that we had food on the table every day, we had clothes on our backs. There wasn't a time when we were worried about where the next meal was going to come from. And I take that for granted. We, we can easily get into that sort of mode of being when we look at other people's lives because we can easily go, well, that, that, that is undisciplined. You know, if they, just, if they just get it together. They just figure it out, like I did. And maybe they might deserve something, right? I mean, it's easy to get into that, into that place in our lives. Easy to easy to become that 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 judgmental and angry when it seems like we're not getting ours. And that's exactly what we hear in this older brother. I mean, he is he is <laughs> more than angry about the fact that he he hasn't, you know, the father hasn't lavished him with a party. And the father says, son, everything I, everything I have is yours. Everything. Everything. That will never change. But we had to celebrate because this, this son is, was lost. He was dead. He's alive now. He was lost. He's found. Like, like. He has a chance now at a real life again. To have a new life with us. Why wouldn't we celebrate in this? You know? We need to celebrate that, that turnaround. We need to celebrate this mud bath redemption that he's had. But here's the thing. We're all in need of a mud bath redemption. We are all at different times in our lives in need of redemption. In, in, in need of a turnaround. We are all, at some points in our lives, n- n- we need to come to ourselves. Because within us, I think, you know, is, is not just the older brother or the younger brother. We're both. We do stupid, stupid stuff sometimes. That probably we shouldn't recover from. Don't know about you, maybe that's just me. Look back in your life and the choices you've made or places where you found yourself and you're like, man, how did I get out of there alive or not in jail or whatever? Maybe that's not you, maybe, you know, maybe you had a care bear life like Jennifer and everything was perfect, but that's a whole other thing. True, you know. Um... But we also have that older brother in us. We also have that older brother in us because we have worked hard, because we have, we have tried to do the right thing. And oftentimes, even in our lives of faith, we've sort of made this deal with God as older brothers. You know? we, we've, we've sort of made this deal with God. Hey, God, if I'm good... If I'm good and I and I, and, you know, and I give my tithe and I show up to church and I serve other people and I do all these things, if I'm good, then nothing bad happens to me, okay? That that's the deal. Can we just make that agreement right now, God? And then when something bad happens, whatever we think is bad, it, it throws our it, it throws our agreement up in the air, and then we get mad at God. Well, why would God allow this to happen to me? I've been good. Don't I even get just a little goat every once in a while? I've seen it happen many, many times with people. Like they, they've const- we've constructed this world theologically where it's like quid pro quo, but here's the thing, you can't buy off God. <laughs> That's not what it's about. We live lives of faith because God has already redeemed us. And we are responding to the love that we have received. We're not buying off God. The son, when he came back, the younger son, I mean, it's almost as if the, the, the father didn't even hear him when he said, Oh, I've, I've, I've screwed everything up, I've made a fool of you, just make me one of your hired hands. So the father didn't even hear that. The father was all was like, Man, you're back. That's all that matters. I don't care. I mean,
1: you, know, you hurt
0: me, you did all that, but guess what? It's forgiven. Let's go. Let, you know, come on, let's party. You're welcome back here again. And so, both older brother and the younger brother in us need mud bath redemption. We need turnarounds, we need grace. We need the forgiveness of God. We need to be placed back and invited back on the path. We need a mud bath turnaround to say to those prodigal sons, to those younger sons, come on, welcome back. Welcome back. And we need a mud bath redemption for the older brothers in us to be confronted with our judgmentalism, to be confronted with our rigidity, and to be confronted with the way that we look down upon others to find the gift of what we've been given on on the day to day to day to day. We're all in need of a turnaround. We're all in need of a mud bath redemption. And so Jesus is really the one who got dirty for us. If you want to look at it that way. Jesus got dirty so that the younger sons and the older sons... could come back to God, could know that God, in a sense, had already reconciled with them and that they were the ones who were keeping themselves out of the family. That it was their attitude, it was their way of living, it was their everything that that kept them from seeing that they'd already been welcomed back. So Jesus was confronting those religious people of the day, those older brothers of the day, to say, hey, you think you got it figured out? You don't know anything. And saying to those younger brothers, those prostitutes, those tax collectors, those people down on their luck, the people who were unclean all the time, to say to them, guess what? You're still invited to the table. Just come home. Jesus got dirty. So that we might come to be a new creation. That we might see in ourselves and have in ourselves a new life. A life where we're not making deals with God. Where we're not trying to find our fortunes out there. Where we think our treasure is going to be found out there. You know, either in dissolute living and wild living or, or in following the rules. That where our lives are found in God. Where our treasure we know is in God. And so Jesus got dirty so that we could have a mud bath redemption. And when we come to see that, when we come to understand that in any any small little shape, we come to realize that our treasure has been held in God all along. And God's treasure is us. So what in you needs a turnaround? What in you needs a mud bath redemption? Amen.